Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. Join us here every Saturday night at 8 o'clock, or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by the Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. Is there anything worse than bad customer service? I just had some. I called the U.S. Passport Office because I got a passport and I haven't received it yet. And I put it in the same envelope as my husband's passport application in March. And I still haven't received it yet. Waited on the phone for an hour, an hour. And when the customer service representative finally picked up, he said, I can't talk to you today. If you don't need your passport until such and such a date, you can't call us till tomorrow. And I said, but it's been three days. I've been trying to get in touch with you. Okay. You get the idea. He hung up on me after an hour. I think we can do better, right? Customer service. It's just enough, honestly, to give you a nervous breakdown. Well, Dr. Harold L. Price Sr. hears us and he is here to help all of us manage our expectations and help customer service reps do their jobs better. The name of his book, The Guide, Tools and Guidelines for Success to Provide Great Call Center Customer Service. Beyond the Battle, Alice is a good read for anyone, but my target market is customer service reps. I refer to in the book uh, as CSRs. Uh, besides the purpose of the book, which is to augment or in, uh, enhance the skills of the customer service rep, it's got some pretty good stuff in it about life experiences. Let us say the positives of my life experiences. Uh, this is the second uh, edition of this book. I initially wrote a book on call center customer service about 20 years ago, right after I got my PhD. But then again, you know, I, I self-published. So this time I thought about it. I said, you know, when you think, well, when I thought, what do I want to write about? I figured write about something that I know something about. So it came to me. What's your experience in call center customer service? Well, I've worked in about six call centers. So I've got like over 20 years experience. So I figured I had something that I picked up along the way that I could share with someone that they could perhaps use it, uh, particularly calls to the customer service. It's sort of like I look at it as being a lost art. I look at customer service, providing customer service is an art. It's not for everyone. Everyone can't do it because it's a very challenging field. So... In accordance with what I learned along the way, it's like, well, I think I can help some people because I know I reflect on some of the things that I experienced providing call center customer service. You know, give me an example. Well, uh, customers, uh, number one, many customers can be rather provocative, <laughs> but so, yeah, to to put it mildly, but you you can't buy into that. What I uh, gained in doing cost and customer service was uh, the ability of self-restraint. You got to use it, you know. If you're not able to have self-restraint, uh, you won't be in the position, probably won't be in the position very long at all. But you learn how to deal with various people, and you can't stereotype people. Just because you've talked to someone 
who has the same problem. That doesn't mean that you put them in the same category because, you know, uh, as you know, people are unique. Everyone's unique. I don't care if they have the same problem or not. But the thing about being a call center customer service rep is your ability to listen and decipher. You got to be able to do that. It's mandatory because, you know, there's a big difference between listening and hearing. You know, I, I, I can hear what you said, but did I listen to what you said? You understand me? I do. I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I can tell you, I have called customer service representatives for certain public utilities. Yeah. And by the time I reach a real person, after you go through all of the recorded yeah. messages and pressing this button yeah. and that, where I have been fuming, furious, uh, over the yeah. top, upset, because I'm so frustrated that I thought I had a situation that I thought could be taken care of in a matter of minutes. And two hours later, I still find myself <laughs> looking for an answer. And I have been obnoxious. I have been the person you don't want to deal with. But I've also dealt with customer service representatives. You know, the good ones are really good. Yeah. You know, it would be nice if you could just get to the customer service representative. I think it's a bit too much uh, emphasis on uh, automation uh, to start with. Uh, you can't. You will never uh, successfully eliminate, uh, say, the human connection. You know, like you said, by the time you talk to a person, you were probably five to ten times more frustrated than you were when you called. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the best part is is the the automated voice says. I will put you in touch with a customer service representative, but let me understand why you're calling first. Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it yeah. this? And it's like, no, it's none of those things. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're right back where you started. I mean, what's the worst experience you ever had? One of the worst experience, a guy called in and uh, he had called in several times before. You know, he immediately... Uh, insult me, slam me. But what I learned is I couldn't take it personal. And if I wasn't able to realize, like, wait a minute, this guy doesn't know me and I don't know him. Insult after insult. But I was able to maintain my composure and I helped the guy. And then I distinctly remember him saying, hey, thanks a lot, man. I apologize. But listen, look, look I've been through hell and high water. I remember him saying that. But he apologized at the end. And I got gratitude out of the fact that I was actually able to help the guy resolve the problem. The issue is not resolved until the customer's problem is taken care of. Well, I mean, I get the feeling that a lot of times you're dealing with a customer service representative who doesn't have the authority necessarily to fix your problem. I, I have been put on hold for a half an hour, 45 minutes. No, no, that's unacceptable. No one should place you on hold more than, say, two to three minutes. You know, because you're taking the person for granted if you just put them on hold and, and you know, you come back 15 minutes later and say, still working on it, ma'am. You, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, reps in uh, large call centers know that, but 
great call center customer service. You know, it, it's taken for granted. That was my my primary reason for writing the book. To reiterate that, if I could get some people to listen to me, I know from my own experience, which I all, which is all I have to draw from, that I could improve the performance of representatives in a call center. You know, because you no know, people say, "Oh, he wrote a book on customers." So yeah, read it. You know, and you and you tell me you don't get anything out of it. Period. Read it. Well, I mean, what what does the average person get out of this? It's called the guide: tools and guidelines for success to provide great call center customer service. The Reps Guide to Success, Second Edition Evolution. What is the average person going to get out of this? Well, okay. Uh, it's the end result that counts. Always keep the end in view. So if you start something, you know, you got to finish it. You know, I have to learn that. You know, you, you haven't done anything until you finish. How many people have you met to say, well, I did this and I was doing that? Yeah, but did you finish it? Finishing the task. Like you said in customer service, you call to give full service. That's a, that's a high point in the book. I mean, it cannot be easy to be a customer service representative at Blue Cross Blue Shield, Social Security, Small Business Administration. That's got to be insane. Well, since you brought that up, it's been uh, uh, analyzed that there's more stress involved in being a customer service rep than uh, uh, policemen in the city of New York. How about that? No way. Yes, way. Because you're solving big problems. I mean, health care issues, social security issues, that can be very complicated, I would imagine. The stress level, Alice. The stress level. That's what it's about. You got your master's, you got your PhD. What'd you, what'd you get your PhD in? Public administration. Oh, okay. And then what'd you get your master's in? Uh, I got an MBA in business management. Jeez. You're a very well-educated man. Well, yeah, that's why you're you know, a good writer, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I actually learned how to write. It it stuck out to me. I said, "Hey, I could write." When I was in undergrad, when I got to grad school, I could write. I knew I could write. You got to be able to write, or the, the professor would throw your paper yeah. back to you. Hey, take this back. Come back and see me in a couple of days. It helped me. Your book looks like. A great book for somebody who wants to work in customer right. service. I could think of like, I think every public utility should have this book because they're the worst. They're the ones that put you on hold for hours on end. I was on hold with a, a phone company, right? And they put me on hold and they would transfer me and put me on hold and then disconnect me and I would have to call back, right? So I would like to see... <laughs> Every public utility, <laughs> every phone company, uh, cell phone company to have this guide. But you're saying to me that, you know, I should read this book. I have no intention of ever going into customer service, although maybe I will when, when, you know, after talking to you. So why should I read this book? You've got to have a positive frame of mind to be successful if you want success. So how do you create a positive frame of mind? Depends on the mindset. It's all about the individual. Uh, you don't. You don't. 
develop a positive mindset as soon as you arrive at work. You've got to cultivate positivity. Are you with me? I am. So the thing is, the effectiveness of a proper greeting will oftentimes result in immediate reciprocation by the customer, meaning that, you know, you be kind to the customer, they'll be kind to you. People take that for granted. Oh, he just ain't being nice. No, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about establishing a bond between you and the customer. If you don't establish a bond between you and the customer, then the customer is not going to be prone to accept the information that you're trying to provide. It's important. It's taken for granted. Once you establish that link, then a customer is prone to accept even adverse information, uh, accepting. But, you know, and that ties into another thing, the tone. How many times have you talked to someone in customer service and their tone was horrible? Right, right then and there, you knew you didn't want to talk to that person anymore. Am I correct? Absolutely. The tone establishes the mood for the, 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 the level of communication and determines whether communication will continue or go straight into the abyss. In, in an abrupt manner, I promise you. Well, I can see how that would apply to any job, anywhere, anything that you're doing, right? If you're dealing with people. Yeah. If you're dealing with people, like I'm a reporter, I go out on the street every day. I have to go up to people, ask them a question and hope that they'll answer. And my attitude has everything to do with it. Whether I go out to them and I'm smiling and I'm nice. And even if somebody turns me down and says, no, I don't feel like talking today. If I say, oh, it's all right, no problem. You know, it's all in the attitude. If I go up to somebody and go, I, I really need to talk, you know, and, I, and I'm like crazy and I'm loud and they're not going to talk to you. No, they're going to shut you up. So I see what you're saying. So you can apply a lot of the things that you talk about in this book to everyday life. Yes, you can. You can. Look, courtesy is contagious. Thanks, for instance, you, it is. It is. Uh, if, you, if you're driving and someone, say, let you, uh, you uh, get and get pull over in front of them, you know, uh, you're, you're more uh, apt to, to pay that forward. You're with me? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, again, that's the whole thing. We live in a service-oriented society. So, you know, people expect good to great customer service. That's why I tried to write a book on great call center customer service. Being good is one thing, but if you want to be great, that's another thing altogether. And that not many people want to be great. Just like many, most people don't want to be leaders. They don't want to have anything to do with it. You do it. No, you can take care of it. Who wants to go up to the plate and lead, say, 50 to 100 people? I bet you don't know a lot of people right off the No, bat. it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's That's a lot right. of work. It's a lot of work. Who wants to be that responsible? Let's just be more specific. Most people don't. Right. No, you're right. You know, what I'm wondering is, do you believe that there's enough customer service representatives in the areas that we're talking about in particular, Blue Cross, Aetna? No, if there, if there were, if there were, you wouldn't have to be placed on hold now, would you? 
Exactly. So why don't we have enough call center representatives? Do they not get paid well? Some do, some don't. Well, uh, what what areas do they get paid well? The larger call centers. Say like Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Okay. Uh, say uh, your local utility company. Well, let's say who's your main utility provider, say for power? Let's say PSE&G. All right, those representatives probably get well, but when you go to the smaller call centers, on an average, I would say my experience is that they don't. They don't. No, but you got to position yourself. But like you got, you should uh, know the field. You know, call center customer service, say in, uh, basically would basically come to say mid to largest size. It ties starts to tie in the marketing, okay? And you got to know the product. So if you're apt to know what you're dealing with, then uh, you make yourself more valuable as a call center representative. All my, most of my experience, all, literally all my experience has been in large call centers. And the whole thing was to learn the product that you're dealing with. How can you, you can't successfully be a call center representative if you're not able to explain the product to the customer, you know, because they're depending on you. When they call in, they're expecting you to tell them what they're trying to find out. And sometimes uh, customers have become so sophisticated and continually do so, they'll ask you something and they'll have the answer, but they want to see what you will share with them right right well i would think again like you're talking about you know healthcare. a customer service representative would have to know a lot about healthcare. you couldn't just throw anybody in there no you can't everyone is hired they don't they just look for a job they don't know anything about healthcare. but once you get the job uh, you need to continue to learn, educate yourself right, to right. be successful. Not most, most people aren't looking to be successful, Alice. They're looking to get a check. It's not yeah. there. You know, it's about what you aspire to be in life. What do you want to do? You know, what do you believe you can do? What is your belief system based on? I like some interesting, some, some intimate things in this book. Because having been a customer service representative, I know. I've lived it. I've experienced it. Therefore, I decided to share it. You know, there's, you know I, can't, I can't quote the book to you word for word. But basically, what I can tell you is this. If you aspire to succeed in customer service, look. When you say, most people say, customer, I don't want to be a customer service rep. Yeah, you're right. Most people don't. That's because you think you should be doing something more important. Well, that's not that everyone who aspires to accomplish something in life probably does. That's natural. But what are you doing at that particular moment? Where are you in the here and now? As opposed to where you think you should be or you want to be. Where are you now? And those are a couple of things that I point out in the book. How many times have you talked to a representative and let's say they didn't talk uh, what you consider being speaking to you in the proper manner 
you can understand them. You have problems understanding them or uh, they weren't uh, clear enough for you to understand. Have you ever experienced that? All the time. Don't you think that's one of the biggest complaints is that a lot of these companies farm out their service? When you do that, okay, uh, and to a certain extent, you, you're taking the customer for granted again. For instance, like I got a section in the book called The Importance of Pronunciation and Enunciation. Pronunciation, uh, it, it, you know, is to speak correctly, while enunciation is to speak clearly. You know, if you don't take that to heart, you know, you can uh, destroy uh, the possibility of communicating with a customer in a manner of, say, two to three minutes. Yeah. Uh, you really can. Uh, a major benefit of using correct pronunciation projects the professionalism of a CSR, and it indicates interest in the information provided by the customer. People don't realize, you know, m most people don't want to realize. When you say customer, well, because you say AT&T, well, how did you get to be AT&T? Then you do that by continuing to build a customer base. Well, how do you build a customer base? The point I'm getting at is the customer is the lifeblood of the organization. All representatives don't focus on that. They just say, well, uh, this is because uh, I'm going to lunch in 45 minutes. No, it's not about that. Right. Do the job. Do the job. Do what you're supposed to do. And your job is servicing the customer. Right. So make sure you're providing customer, customer service until you sign off that phone. You know what I'm wondering? A lot of these social media platforms, there is no customer service. You have to contact them through through email, right? Exactly. If you want to resolve something. It's the most frustrating thing. Is that the way it's going to be? Like, they'll, there will be no human to talk to? It'll it'll all be through the internet? Or do you think that these, these very successful companies will find the value in having real live humans solving issues some will most won't you know we can't escape the truth the world as you know is being automated more so da uh daily you know you call and like you say yourself you're prompted to about three different computers and after about four or five times you finally get a person and in some cases you never get a person that's the whole point of writing this book okay if i can Sometimes if you can just change uh, the attitude of one person, then uh, you can successfully uh, change the attitude of a hundred. For instance, like say with Paulson and marketing, if you provide information to a customer in the right way, and then they're they're happy, they're pleased with, well, they're prone to share it with someone else. That's called viral marketing. Uh, no one's going to share good information with a friend unless they actually enjoy it. Am I correct? Correct. All right. But, you know, have you ever heard the notion that good news travels fast, bad news travels faster? Better? Correct. Yes. All right. So if you do something that affects the customer in a negative manner, they're prone to tell 10 people. Uh, if you do something good, with the customers played with, they might tell two or three. All right. So let me ask you this: How are you telling people about your book? Uh, emails, communications, uh, 
mouth-to-mouth contacting the, the right individual in the right in the right position by phone, Facebook. This podcast is really important. I got a lot of people excited about it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, they're looking for. I got. In fact, I have like three or four possible bulk purchases, depending on this podcast. Because they said that. Well, we want to hear this podcast, and then we'll get back with you. Let me. Let no. me know how you make out. Oh yeah. But the thing right. is, you know, if you want to improve your organization, it's one thing to be good, but if you want to be greater, you want to be better, then you got to make a sacrifice to do anything in life. Do you not agree? I could not agree more, especially in this area. Nothing frustrates people more than a bad customer service rep. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. The only thing that frustrates customers more than a bad customer service representative is no customer service representative. Where well, you're just, you know, you're just lost in the world of automation and nobody's ever getting on the phone. Nobody's ever calling you back. You have to do everything through email. Like when you want an answer, you want an answer. You want a place to go. You want to feel heard heard you want to feel that somebody cares about what you're what you're dealing with yes but you know you need to have people in the position that could stress the importance of them being a customer because if you don't show them that you're appreciative of them being a customer that's when they turn to the competitor you follow me i i hear you Look, I even got a chapter in this book about the importance of good mental and physical health. How about that? Well, that's, again, true no matter what job you're doing. You got to take care of yourself. And yeah. so forth, you need to be in a, uh, an environment that's conducive to you being able to get a certain amount of rest and relaxation. You follow me? I do. Yeah. So, you know... Oftentimes, you know, many people take things for granted because they say, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this. Yeah, are you really prepared to do it? If you're not prepared, the chances of, your, of, of success are minimized. Am I correct? You are correct, sir. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're funny. Listen, I have got to wrap this up, but what what a pleasure talking to you. This is way more than a... Customer service representative. Well, that's why that's why I tell you it's a good read for anyone. You know, uh, I can just tell people and share with, look, read the book, you won't regret it. But, you know, how many people are going to do it? Until if maybe the more people, I can just get a few people to get the book, read the book, and then they share it, you know. Right. You know, uh, I'm trying to create a domino effect here. You know I've got to do that and so forth, marketing my book. You've of got course. to be able to do that. Well, I believe you will, Dr. Price. If anybody can do it, you can. Well, thanks. That's a, that, <laughs> that's a great compliment. <laughs> I, listen, I'm going to write on that for the rest of the week, okay? Okay, good. You should. Look, I'm, I'm just so glad that we got a chance to do this interview and I'm so grateful and humbled as well. Okay. I want you to know that. Same here. Thank you so much. Look, be safe and listen, be blessed. Okay. You too. When I get that feeling near my booty is the name of our next book by Dr. Kiera M. Mitchell, who just finished her doctorate degree in psychology and did not miss a beat publishing her first children's book about that special time for every little one. 
Hi, Alice. Very nice to meet you. I'm great. It's nice to meet you. Where am I calling? You're calling Colorado. Colorado. It's got to be beautiful out there now. Oh, yes, it finally is. We've had a couple weeks of rain, but we finally hit the sunshine. Are you a hiker by any chance? Oh, absolutely. Uh, how could you not be a hiker? It's a requirement before you move. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, first of all, have you ever written before? Uh, this is my first published works, but I've always loved to write. And yeah, uh, children's books just were something that kind of came easily when I started writing them down. Writing them down? So there's more than one? There is more than one, but this is my first one. What inspired you to write this one? Was there some kind of an experience that you had? <laughs> well, I first wrote a couple of different children's books, and I was sharing them with a close friend of mine who had uh, a three-year-old at the time, and she challenged me to write a potty training book. And I said, okay, let's see how this goes. She challenged you. Yes, she did. Do you have any idea how difficult it can be to potty train a child? I did uh, work at preschool for a little bit. So a little bit older children, but definitely, you know, you want to be on top of things. You want to make sure that they have what they need. And it, in my experience, I've talked with a lot of parents, you know, through writing the book and especially after writing the book. And a huge reoccurring theme that I found is that parents want this to be an easy conversation, not something that makes the child feel uncomfortable or anything like that. Just, you know, we can have a conversation about this and we can make this process fun. Well, you know, um, there seems to me to be a lot of books out there about potty training little ones. Is mm -hmm. that what's missing? Do we somehow make them feel uncomfortable? I have definitely read a couple of different uh, potty training books. One of my little cousin's favorite ones growing up was Everyone Poops. And same kind of thing that I was going for with this normalization of, yep, everyone poops. It's okay. This is a normal process. Let's make it more comfortable. And that was definitely something that I wanted to make sure was included in my book. It's uh, Funny Rhymes, walking children through the steps of potty training and trying to help them to remember, okay, I'm feeling this way. So here's what I do. It's rhymes? Yes, it is a rhyming book. I am a big fan of rhymes. You didn't tell me that. It sets it apart right there. Well, thank you. I think so. I enjoy rhymes. And, you know, when I pitched this to a couple of friends' kids, they they really liked the rhymes as well. I read it to children. I read it to adults. And everyone's kind of giggled their way through it and thought that it was really fun. When you throw in a couple of funny little silly rhymes and make it, you know, like I said, a fun experience. So tell me how the story goes. Absolutely. So it starts off with uh, it's from the child's perspective. And she's explaining, I have this feeling near my booty, so I know that now I need to start pulling down my pants. I need to start trying to go potty. Oh, fantastic. I was actually able to go potty. And then we have to always remember, you know, to wash our hands. So well, it goes into more detail than that, but those are the steps that we follow. Oh, I got this feeling that helps me to remember it's time to try and go potty. Does the little girl have a name? Not in the book, she does not. Huh, interesting. That kind of makes it like it could be my name. We'll exactly. call the little girl, right? Exactly, yes. So I want an example of one of your rhymes. Ooh, okay. So it's called uh, When I Get That Feeling Near My Booty. And it starts off, when I get that feeling near my booty, I know I got to make some duty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me another one. <laughs> 
Um, let me see. Oh, I go pee and then I can yell whoopee. <laughs> when you're reading it, do you say whoopee? Like, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think that the more you're into reading the book, the more fun it is. So that's why I really wanted to make sure it was a fun book to read and a fun book to listen to and one that we can giggle through. What, what's the average age to potty train? Like, when do you start? I think uh, a lot of parents really say that it depends on the child and that they yeah. like to look for signs to see, you know, when the child is ready. I, I've known uh, parents and children who say, yep, my child is ready to start trying at maybe age two, maybe even a little bit sooner. And I've known parents who say, nope, you know, I, they're not ready yet. So we're going to keep on uh, waiting and looking for those signs and making sure that this isn't a stressful process, but a lot more of a natural process. I mean, I've been told by parents of young of girls that girls mm-hmm. are much better. I had two boys. Yeah, I've heard that too. Uh-huh. And my and my younger son just did not want to potty train, and it was just like, mm-hmm. what are we gonna do? So we started by letting him go on a tree in our backyard, like he <laughs> that he was all about. It's like, uh, how do we get you to pull your pants down, buddy, and yes. stop using the diaper? Stop using. <laughs> at that time, it was pull ups. Like everybody had pull ups. Oh yeah. And the only way we could get him like on board was if we let him go on the tree and then we had to graduate from the tree to it was hard boys were I I found it really difficult absolutely absolutely I hear you and yes trying to figure out okay each child is different what's going to work what's going to go well and again once again trying to look for that okay this isn't going to be a stressful thing we're going to figure out what works for you well, in your book, yeah, is there um, trial and error? Like, d- does she fail once in a while, or does it take her a while to get on board or to not get on the quite. pot? <laughs> not in this one, <laughs> because I wanted it to be a little bit more of a how to guide. So, you know, I really wanted those clear steps laid out is, right. okay, I'm getting this feeling, so I'm going to go ahead and try and go potty. And then, okay, we're done. Let's wipe with the toilet paper let's fold them let's make sure that we're really clean and wipe once more kind of a thing and then you know into the hygiene into washing hands okay wait a minute wipe we wiping forward or are we wiping back that's another thing that that's is a- definitely another thing i didn't specify because i you know to be perfectly honest i figured okay parents are gonna know and they'll yeah. walk through that step just want to make sure that we're mentioning hey we wipe we wipe, yeah, because I get, I bet you anything. Like people have preferences, whether you go oh, back yeah. to front or front to back. Mm-hmm. I think it boys, boys, it's back to front, girls front to back. I should know that, <laughs> right? <Heard> as well, <laughs> but I, I, I don't have any kids yet. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be great when you do. Oh, thank you. I hope so. You're going to have a library of children's books. Exactly, yes. So what are some other books in the hopper? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. One of the ones, no, you are great. One of the ones that I wrote that I'm really, really excited to hopefully get the opportunity to publish soon, I call uh, What It Means to Be a Princess. And another little girl, and we're going through uh, her morning, and she's asking her mom, can I really be a princess? So her mom asks her what that means to be a princess, and she starts explaining as she goes throughout her day, you know, princesses go on fun adventures. But as she's saying that, she is going on a fun adventure with her mom to the grocery store. Princesses have wonderful things, and she's explaining her toys and how those are wonderful things. So it's really uh, a little bit of a focus on positive psychology of flowers. I have everything that I need. 
and my life is wonderful the way that it is. And then at the end, her mom tells her princesses have people who love them like you do. So you're really using your psychology to kind of give kids a positive outlook. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you. Is that the next one we're going to talk about? In I the hope near future? So. <laughs> I do. I hope so. so. You you say you have a lot of friends who have kids. Are you mm-hmm. are you are you are you in a, a position to read your book to little children? Do a story time? I mean, how are you letting people know? Hey, I wrote a book. I want you to buy it. Absolutely. Well, so far I have been um, going, you know, to my friends' houses and reading to their kids. Or if they do live out of state, I can always send them a copy. And then from there, I think I'm going to try a little bit of local marketing and go around to some local boutiques and bookstores. I did already find a boutique who's interested in the book and see if we can, you know, maybe set up some story time, maybe local libraries. I'm not afraid to put my feet on the ground and start talking to people about what I've written. That's great. Well, good for you. you. I wish you all the luck in the world. Good for you. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. The name of our next book, Mr. McCaw, written by 10-year-old Dwayne Collins. So we're going to check in with his mom first. How you doing, Marsha? My son wrote the story. Okay. He's 10 years old, and he would actually like to do the interview himself, he, if that's okay. That's absolutely okay. Okay. He would, he's been practicing. We went over those interview questions, but um, he can present himself well. Um, he just told me that he gets more nervous when he's in front of mom and dad doing it. <laughs> yeah, th- that's understandable. And and those questions, I'm not asking him any of those questions. We're just going to have an, a nice, easy conversation about his book. Oh, that's all. great. Okay. She's going to have a nice, easy conversation with you about your book. She's not asking you any of those questions. Okay. So you get to do it by yourself. Okay. So you can go in your, your school room if you want. He's, he's homeschooled. So he, he, he found that what works for him is being in a quiet place. So he can go in his schoolroom. He can close the door. Wow, he's so, got a schoolroom yeah. in his house. That's very cool. Yes, yeah. Where are you guys from? Yeah. We're we're living in Savannah, Ohio. Great. Hi, Dwayne. How you doing? I'm doing good. Dwayne, what do you do for fun? Uh, I go outside and play with my puppy Lids every day for fun. What kind of puppy? Beetle. Is it a he or a she? He. You guys go on walks together and stuff? Uh, oh, well, he sort of pulling with walks, though. So you're saying he walks you, right, Dwayne? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what made you decide to write a book? Um, uh, because I've been, uh, well, I was out in nature and I feed the squirrels every morning now. And, and what I saw the Mr. McCall for is my pet toad climber teacher's name because I like to play school, so I was thinking of a teacher's name. Who is Mr. McCall? Is that a squirrel? Yes. I have to write journals, so I thought of Mr. McCall as a father squirrel. Nice. So what does the squirrel do? The squirrel... um what's hard to take care of his family and and make sense out of wood. What does he make out of wood? Trophies, boats, uh, birdhouses, anything you can think of. How does he do that? By a quiet a shed 
as said he works in with all different ki- uh, pieces of wood and a chainsaw to cut them so i'm looking at the house in the picture did he build that house um no he 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 and the other squirrels made the house wow that's a pretty nice house how many kids does mr mccaw have one okay there's mrs mccaw Mm -hmm. and what's their kid's name little squirrel little squirrel (laughs) and they have a dog spotty the dog yep so there's not an ordinary day in the squirrel family (laughs) that's why how is the day not ordinary because because uh, the squirrel family is always uh, venturing around um, to different and uh, different countries, cities, or around their town. There is no ordinary squirrel day in in their story. Well, like uh, like um uh, like little squirrel did the magic show with blabby hands and they went shopping on a moving walkway he did a magic show yeah with um blabby hands rabby hands who's that a robot that mr mccall made mr mccall made a robot Mm-hmm. that's really cool that's really cool so that's like his friend yep Mr. Lappy Hands. <laughs> How do they travel? Are you saying squirrel family or or, or Mr. Lappy Hands? Uh, the squirrel family. How do they travel? They travel by boat, um, walks, and or mostly by boat because it's a river by their house, so they travel by boat to different stores or different places that's so fun Mm -hmm. do you want to read a little bit of your book to me okay um uh, i have to uh, i have to do it from mom and dad's room okay go ahead read me your favorite part okay okay i'm back okay i'm ready Dwayne. okay well let me find my favorite part how many pages is your book uh uh, let me go to the end see. Uh, 44. 44 pages. Yep. <laughs> let me find my favorite part. Okay. Oh, right, oh, yeah. Mr. McCall uh, bid annual shopping trip. Chapter 1. One exciting morning, the McCall family woke up and ate nuts for breakfast. It was the last box of nuts. They had to make a long shopping list for all the things they needed. This would be their annual shopping trip to DJ's Everything Store. First, Mr. McCall had to warm up the car while Mrs. McCall and the little squirrel were getting dressed. Then they started to head outside. The little squirrel said 
you uh, forgot your shopping list, Mrs. McCall. Thank you for reminding me, she replied. Finally, and, and the family all climbed in the car and headed to DJ's Everything store. Once they arrived, they saw the big letters uh, for the parking lot aisles. They wondered where should they park, and a friendly man told them whichever letter uh, your last name started with was a good aisle to park in. M, the little squirrel said, you are right, said Mr. McCall. That will will make it easier to remember. Chapter 2. After they parked the car, they found a shopping cart in the musical car aisle. The little squirrel was dancing to the music uh, was uh, that was playing. Then the McCall family got their own shopping cart for their big shopping trip. Finally, they got into the store. And the little squirrel looked, looked at the list and said, and then split the list into three equal pieces. He asked, Can we all take a part and do our own shopping? Then we can meet up at the front door by the leader. Yes, said Mr. McCall, uh, but uh, the McCall family had a little bit of a problem. The store was filled with many customers and uh, then made it through for them to, no, tough for them to pass through the aisles. They tried to look for shortcuts, and after a few minutes, then finally found a moving walkway that played music. There was a woman who worked in the in the store that helped the customers to get somewhere assistic by the moving walkway. She asked, are you staying on this floor or going upstairs? Mr. McCall answered, we are all staying on this floor. The woman asked, would you like to go slow, medium, or fast across the moving walkway? The little squirrel wondered, does the speed go with the beat of, uh, and the rhythm of the music? She said the speed does go with the music. Mr. McCall let the little squirrel decide 
what speed he wanted. The little squirrel picked medium speed. After the McCall family died across the moving walkway, they finally made it into the department and that they were both to go to in the first place. Wow. Now that's an adventure right there, and they haven't even begun shopping, so I guess we find out how they make out. Yeah. <laughs> you are a very good reader. You're a very, very good reader. Thank you. And what an imagination. Are you going to write more books about the squirrel family? Yes, I'm going to. That is amazing. Do all of your friends know that you've written a book? Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I sort of don't have any friends because I'm homeschooled. <laughs> you don't have any friends? No. How are you going to sell your book? Uh, well, I have neighbors, so. Oh, you have neighbors. You're going to go to the neighbors? Yeah. Uh, yes. And after this interview, I'm going to um, one of my neighbors' house and see if she wants one of these books. Well, I hope she buys one. And maybe with your book, you can make some friends. Mm-hmm. How did it feel when your book came in the mail and it was all finished? I was happy and excited. Ah, well, you should be. You should be very, very proud of yourself, Dwayne. You did a great job. You did a great job. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, oh, well, I want to be a baseball player and a farmer. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope I get to talk to you again before you grow up and see what other books you got in that head of yours. Yep. You did a great job. Thank you so much, Dwayne. You're welcome. You have a great day, honey. Okay. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. Hope to see you back here every Saturday night at 8 p.m. or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. <laughs>